And good morning, everyone. Benny here. So just want to give you a quick reminder. The show coming up next is an encore presentation of the Marie Manucherry show. She, of course, is traveling for the next couple of weeks during her retreat. And I decided to dip back into Marie's amazing vault of shows. And we're going to bring to you an awesome show she did with Luke Adler and Luke Adler Healing back in 2016. So no call-in show today. Enjoy. Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in almost gorgeous Seattle. It's going to be beautiful in a couple hours when all the clouds break away. In fact, it's so warm here all the time. Isn't it, Benny? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> it well, last week, it, yeah. we had a, like a high and a low. All we did. Yeah, it actually crazy. rained for like days, well, which we was so that. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was lovely. But I had to put air conditioning in my house <gasps> this year. What? I know. I've lived here my entire life. I did too, actually. Really? You have a giant house, though. I mean, well, come on. It like, doesn't matter how big the house is. It's well, yeah, like, it, you know, it gains that heat over time. And it's hard no, to wait, you have like huge windows. You just open them all up and, you know, you got this great circulation. All right, all right. But at any rate, yeah, I've lived here my whole <laughs> life and I've never had to have air conditioning. It's okay. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. I love it, but it was kind of shocking. I think because last year was the sign, I think I bought maybe nine boxed fans and other little fans, and I had them all (laughs) over the house, and I was still sweating like a pig. (laughs) So this year- uh, You just broke down. (laughs) I did, yeah. Even my neighbor goes, I'm going to get air conditioned. I go, oh my gosh, me too. Dang it. (laughs) Well, with equipment and technology, it's all in one device these days. Yeah, they just put it in your yard and you you grow trees by it so that nobody can see the device. And yeah, it's- it's lovely. So yeah, the weather you have a is paradise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> we do have a little paradise I in know. the backyard, actually. Uh, so yeah, we just uh, we're going with the flow with the global warming here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the Northwest is actually getting a little bit of positiveness from it, but overall, we we hope that the world calms down. Yeah, right in we, every we way. Mm-hmm. Right in that. every way. And so today, I get to interview. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to interview people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And today I'm interviewing someone who actually is helping people to calm down inside so that they can heal their beautiful body. The book is called Born to Heal, Heal Yourself and the World. And the author is Luke Adler. He lives in Eugene, Oregon. That's where my cousin lives, by the way. Oh, Hi, Deb. Yeah, she's way out there. Hi, Deb. And of course, a lot of friends and some um, former mentoring students live there as well. It's a lovely place, a little bit of paradise, Eugene, Oregon. I actually was in a workshop recently, and someone who lives in Eugene was complaining about the traffic. Like... And I was like, okay, she doesn't even know what traffic is. You I mean, have no yeah, clue. What? No. I mean, if, if you're wow. having traffic in Eugene, just park the car and walk. You'll be there in 30 <laughs> seconds. Anyway, it's pretty close. Um, so we're having the pleasure of having Luke on the show today. Um, so Luke is a superbly qualified practitioner of Eastern medicine and Western traditions. He lays out specific techniques, case studies, meditation, exercises for self-discovery, and self-directed wellness. Part autobiography, part guide to growth. Born to Heal is based on the belief that physical and emotional dysfunction originate from disconnection from our spiritual essence. Um, welcome to the show, Luke. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. I feel so honored. And, um, and Benny, you guys have such a lovely presence, so I'm, I'm happy to uh, 
It's pretty sunny down here in Eugene right now, so right? bring in some more sun up <laughs> the northwest. Thank you. Can we get a traffic update? Yeah. <laughs> no traffic. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. This, <laughs> what we're talking about yeah, here. this lady was just adorable because um, nowadays here, it can take me 90 minutes to get to Seattle. And you're not you that know. far. That's and I'm not thing. that far. And I'm really, yeah. Uh, and that's okay. You know, you just yeah, learn how yeah. to meditate in your car while you're driving, which <laughs> I don't think your book actually recommends that. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. But. So you have, um, you're an acupuncturist yeah. and you specialize in Chinese medicine. Yeah. So can you just give us a brief overview of your perception of Chinese medicine? I, I know there are many facets to you, but why don't we start with that particular part of you? What drew me to Chinese medicine and what is really at the core of the medicine is this idea that all illness, all disease originates in the heart. Um, or you could say all illness originates in the spirit. And um, for me, that's, that's what drew me to, to the practice. That's what kept me studying and, and keeps me um, interested in, in delving deeper and um, Whenever I'm with a, a patient or um, uh, a friend, I'm always kind of feeling into and thinking along those lines of, you know, I, I'm taking into account the physical presentation, <clears throat> any um, any labs or exams that, I've, that I'm doing or uh, I'm looking up. But ultimately, I'm feeling into where the soul is stuck. And that's really the essence of Chinese medicine. That's the core of it. It's, it's the idea that, um, if you're unhappy in your life in in any major arena, whether it's uh, health or finance or travel or children, that it's going to begin to show up in your body at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not be immediately, um, but typically we would say, you know, it's going to show up in the realm of emotion or in the realm of feelings. And, you know, because in general society really only condones feeling a few feelings like worry um, and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else is kind of pushed to the background, and that's really the, the stage for um, inflammation, for autoimmunity, um, and, of course, kind of the major epidemics of our time, these uh, autoimmune issues and cancers and this kind of thing. So, um, of course, Chinese medicine is about much more than that. You have yin-yang theory and five-element theory and um, more complex theories than that, but at the basis of it, um, and the way that I practice is this idea of uh, an imbalance in one's spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, and I know that's you know, from talking with some of your colleagues and students. That um, I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of how you approach things as well, Marie. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's all about vibration and frequency and beliefs and perceptions and. All those lovely things. So do you also teach or, or do you have you? I'm sure you've studied it because you love Chinese medicine. The five elements like the Qigong five elements. Um, is that something that you encourage people to do? I actually the book Born to Heal. I use mm. one of the models, um, mm. one of the five element models. I missed that one. Which where is that one? I the the way that I wove it in uh-huh. is rather than speaking about the elements, I spoke about the organ systems. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, uh-huh. because I wanted to make it a little bit more physical for people. Good. Um, mm. But there's a chart on I think it's page like two eighty four, two eighty five, where I've linked up the elements um, with the organ systems, but right. essentially. Right. Yeah, it is the five elements. It's just I, I I wanted to make it a little bit less esoteric and 
um, easier for people to grab. Yeah, that's lovely. No, that's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love doing the little uh, poses, you know, the animal poses, if you will. I just oh my gosh, think yeah. they're so fun. And they you can actually feel the channels in your body open up when you mm-hmm. do them. It's quite amazing. It's powerful. It's lovely. It really Very is. Powerful. So yeah. when I was reading your book, one of the things I, I, I noticed, like you asked some of those tough questions. You know, your, your book isn't for the faint of heart. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You know, like one of the questions you ask about, of course, is the childhood. We're in the liver aspect in Mm -hmm. that particular chapter. And you're asking about parents, you know, so which one of your parents are you the most still angry at, basically? And um, and how is it going? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, right? Exactly. Mm hmm. And, and, yeah. s- and so when you're working with your clients, it, a lot of it seems to return to childhood. Um, is that your perception or belief or just an experience? I mean, I, I think that could be a starting place. I don't mm. I don't tend to work with that model, mm. um, you know, regularly. But, uh, I mean, if we stretch the context and this idea of, you know, even, even kind of beyond this life, um, right. I like to look at it more as an energetic. So if the if the masculine is kind of that more dominating, um, repressive energy, and and then the, you've got the kind of feminine wound that's maybe, um, you know, e- extra passive, then or subservient, then um, the the imbalance of those two polarities, yin and yang, or feminine and masculine, are going to absolutely reveal in the body. So if I talk about dad and mom, it's a way to start to activate that energy and see where someone is incomplete around their their expression of their 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 masculine and feminine power. Mm. Um, you know, their ability to to love powerfully, their ability to feel powerfully and to express themselves powerfully, mm. um, and and that that is that is something that. Um, if we talk about mom and dad, it, it's going to be right there at the surface. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people usually react pretty quickly. Or, you know, one of the fun things is noticing where people shut down, too. You exactly. know, where they completely, oh, everything's fine, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and don't really venture into that place. So you've been meditating for 20 years. I have. It's, it's I mean, you know, to me, it's completely normal. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I started meditating when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and started having, you know, quote unquote, spiritual experiences or experiences of my, my, uh, my divine nature or, or that divine nature, one could say. Right. Um, and, and once that happened, I was, you know, I was, it was like these primal questions of who am I? Why am I here? Um, what am I here to do? They were just, they were answered at a kind of a very young age. So, um, the practice has really been my uh, my grounding, my cornerstone, the foundation for everything I do. And um, for me, we have the kind of the experience of expansion, the experience of transformation, and then there's and then there's the kind of the the living out of it, the study of it. And so for me, meditation, breath work, qigong, tai chi, prayer, whatever spiritual practice that you like. Um, I believe it's important to have something in your mm-hmm. life that is connecting you to that aspect of self and that is strengthening it in, in the same way that you would go work out at the gym. We can work out our bodies energetically and, and, and hold the light mm-hmm. in increasing ways. So mm-hmm. um, to me, 
you know, that the practice of meditation and, and other practices have certainly refined over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but they certainly connect me and strengthen that um, connection to, to the light, to spirit, to whatever you want to call that. What I really enjoyed reading about your meditation practices that, you know, and from that young age is how you could begin to see the divine in each person, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's truly how we help people to heal, right. Is to, you know, um, hold their essence in, in a way or mirror it back to them, remind them of their magnificence. You know, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed that, that part in the book where you talk about your ability to see the divine in each person, you know, their light, their omnipresence, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, as a healer, that's one of the things we're doing is just reminding people of of their true sense, their true essence, right? Yeah. So, so that was really quite lovely. Um, yeah, beautiful. So, so um, tell us about the sequence of separation, because that's something that's in your book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the sequence of separation is a, is a term I coined to really describe this ancient five-element sequence that you mentioned earlier. Um, and I... I discovered it kind of spontaneously, you know, leading uh, a retreat five or six years ago. And I was, as I was working with people, they would, as they were releasing, you know, in a group, I'm asking them questions, like you say, about their mom or dad, and they're getting activated, and they're feeling, and maybe resisting what they're feeling. And I saw that they would move through a certain sequence of emotion. And um, if they were really resistant, they were really resistant, they wouldn't say anything at all. They'd really be um, kind of clamped up, which would relate to fear. And um, and if they had a little bit more opening, they would maybe try to figure out the answer to the question I was asking them with their with their mind. You know, they'd kind of be thinking their way through it and, um, and so forth. Uh, as they open more, they might get a little bit angry as they kind of start to started to feel how they were suppressing themselves. And then, of course, they would feel sadness and begin to cry. And that would be when, when the heart would begin to open, the heart center, the heart chakra, that, that prism of, uh, of light that spirit enters in through the body. And so uh, the sequence of separation is really the sequence by which we begin to feel separate from the divine. And that manifests physically, and it begins with the lungs, the lungs being the system that that brings us into our body. We inspire, we breathe, and we have this sense of being embodied. And, of course, the first thing, you know, Marie, that happens when we um, feel threatened or we feel unworthy or we feel not good enough is we hold the breath, we stop the breath, we um, slow the breath down, and we, we, we try to disinhibit the ability to bring life into um, the body. Mm-hmm. We, we refuse to feel what we're feeling. So, so the sequence of separation depicts this movement from the lungs, the liver, to um, the spleen or the digestive system, to the kidneys. And all the while, the, the sense of connection to the divine through the heart is, um, is we could say it's suppressed and we begin to feel separate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I could kind of go on and on about it, but that's kind of just a, a light, um, look at it, and really the entire book, Born to Heal, goes through that process, and it, I illustrate it um, so that we can gain awareness as to how we get stuck, why we get stuck, and that the way we get stuck is patterned. There's a certain emotion that we have trouble feeling. Um, it's connected to a certain type of unworthiness. It begins 
a certain realm of behavior that's usually polarized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, if we're really afraid, we can become very rebellious and like kind of like fear in the face. Or maybe we become very conservative. We just like want to abide by every rule, and um, you know, are kind of very uptight in a certain way. So, um, as we become aware of how we feel separate, we can, of course, you know, choose choose to stay open and mm-hmm. choose to stay connected. So, it's a big part of the book is just really the self inquiry into how how do I get stuck and how does that show up in my body because. Um, it, it does. It shows up in a, in a physical way. There's symptoms that arise as we feel kind of more um, separated from our sense of connection to, you know, to the light. Great. Um, so we're going to take a break here on the Marine Menu Cherry Show, and we'll be right back with Luke Alder. And good morning, everyone. Benny here. So just want to give you a quick reminder. The show coming up next is an encore presentation of the Marie Manu Cherry Show. She, of course, is traveling for the next couple of weeks during her retreat. And I decided to dip back into Marie's amazing vault of shows. And we're going to bring to you an awesome show she did with Luke Adler and Luke Adler Healing back in 2016. So no call-in show today. Enjoy. And welcome back to the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We are interviewing Luke Adler. He's the author of Born to Heal, Heal Yourself, Heal the World, and he lives really close to us in Eugene, Oregon, which is wonderful. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I, I was reading um, you know, parts of your book. Um, I love the fatigue exercise. I think that's a really big deal, uh, um, yeah. right? Sleep and getting enough rest. And uh, so you ask, you know, this is one of the ways that you are helping individuals to figure out what's going on with them or what's not going on with them is to you ask point questions to have them to start to investigate internally what could be awry. Um, and so in here you ask, how do I use fatigue to avoid being present and or responsible to the needs of my loved ones and myself? That's really fascinating, you know, where people can kind of turn off and be tired and, you know, those kind of things. Um, you go on to ask, am I lethargic? Is it hard for me to get my energy moving throughout the day? Do I get enough rest? What does rest look like for me? When is the last time I had a deep restorative sleep? These are really good questions. Thank you. <laughs> right. Why do I push myself so hard? What unconscious fear do I cover up with my busy schedule? That's a really good question. Yeah. So once you have, you know, someone diving into these questions, then there's exercises for them to move through them. Right. Right. Okay, great. So maybe you could give us an example like if someone, you know, said you know, uh, let's see. Um, hmm. Okay, that lethargic one. I think that's really interesting. Am I lethargic? Is it hard for me to get my energy moving throughout the day? So, what would be their next? You know, let's say they say yes. I am lethargic. I'm kind of numb through my day. H- how do I get my energy up? I think it's like a page or two later, maybe maybe two or three pages later. I talk about um, just going going for a brisk walk or going for just kind of a light jog. And, and just kind of testing the body and seeing, is it is the fatigue there from stagnation? And I just need to move and get, get oxygen and blood flowing through my body? Mm-hmm. Or is there true fatigue where um, the system's really depleted and you need to sleep? You need, you need some downtime. You need to turn the screens off and close your eyes and be in a dark room and, and rest. And um, so that's kind of like the, the test to see what's, what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you need to sleep, then, then there's just a certain accountability getting rest. Mm-hmm. And when we don't do it, 
then then my sense in general is that there there's probably something that we're upping with the busyness, with the lack of um, taking space to to do the work of, of feeling what's there. Um, and of course, you know, a lot of these questions, Marie, are from are from my experience clinically and from my own life because uh, I tend to be have tended to be kind of a, a, a slow waker and tired and sluggish. And so the lessons that I'm sharing are, um, you know, from my own healing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we could go deeper into it, like taking, taking the stimulants and sedatives out of the diet, taking the caffeine out, taking the sugar out, and right. letting, letting the endocrine system balance itself again. Right, right. Yeah, um, it's very helpful for good rest, right? Yeah. It's quite yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, lovely. Right. So what is one of your favorite stories in the book? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. There is a favorite. It's probably the most, uh, when I read it, when my wife read it, she was like, you have got to take this out of the book. Like, you can't really? talk about your bowel movements in the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a really funny story. Some of my friends that have read it have said, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you put this in the book. and. We've heard worse here before, so I think, you're, I think you're in the clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my sense, my feeling was for the book to be effective, I had to reveal everything about myself. Sure. Um, so I did, and um, I think it's in the spleen chapter. I talk about having IBS in high school um, and, uh, you know, playing, playing varsity soccer and not being able to hold hold my, uh, my bowel movements during a game and having to literally run off the field. And uh, run, run across the street to the YMCA, <laughs> which was the closest bathroom, and like my cleats clanging against the linoleum stairs, and like diving for the, uh, as I call it in the book, the porcelain throne. So, um, I mean, I could go into greater depth of it, but uh, just just kind of revealing uh, that aspect of my well-being and how it was, you know, reflected as uh, a lack of sense of security and safety during that time of my life, and. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's really funny. But yeah, no, I, th- I think it's good to share those you know really intimate you know details about our personal life. I think that's important. I think people enjoy that and appreciate the candidness yeah. of something so sensitive. Not to mention the fact that you know having sensitive intestines is where our awareness is in the health and healing industry, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. You know, one of the reasons why I love autoimmune diseases. Um, because they're not easily cured in conventional medicine. Um, yep. In fact, they usually have more adverse effects with conventional you know, uh, medications. Yep. Uh, not everyone. Some people actually do benefit from you know, repressing their immune system, but I think that's a very small percentage of individuals. Right. And so because we have so many people who are having immune issues, to, to some degree, and everything goes down to the immune system anyway, um, when we look at healing, it's forced people to seek holistic medicine, and to, you know, find out the root causes, because most holistic practitioners are looking at the emotional component first and foremost, not necessarily all the symptoms that are happening initially. And then um, and then it's helping us to learn how to be healthy people. So I, th- I think it's great to share those kinds, kinds of stories. I think that's really lovely. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you play soccer for a long time? Um, I did, yeah. I, I mean, pretty much since I was, I don't know, four or five until I was, uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was a big part of my life that kind of, uh, I guess it was, it was 
pretty competitive, and um, there's a lot of discipline to it, and um, team, kind of a team emphasis. Uh, so I got to work out a lot of my lessons um, athletically and um, burn a lot of energy um, playing sports. And uh, Yeah, of course, what I wanted to do was become a professional soccer player, but that didn't quite pan out. So it <laughs> uh, turned out I had these, uh, these kind of healing gifts that were there all along, and um, I eventually... Uh, listen to them and um, develop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the book, you call um, you have a, a whole area about the law of spiritual bypass, mm. right? So could you explain that for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, again, this is uh, this is something that I experienced in my own life, um, and it was probably more in my early twenties. This kind of this sense of wanting to wanting to skip ahead of certain life lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the, in the book, I, I use the example of, um, I was in, I was in Spanish three in, uh, in high school and I wanted to be an AP Spanish. I wanted to skip Spanish four and I did. And I was, it was a disaster. I was just you know, completely over my head and people were basically fluent and I, um, couldn't really comprehend anything the teacher was saying. So it was kind of a more of a, a worldly example of just skipping a stage, um, wanting to be wanting to be um, kind of maybe more at ease around certain um, issues than uh, than we really might be. And I think a good example of that is you know, having the intention to go home at Thanksgiving and just just really not wanting to be bothered by what mom says, dad says. And of course, that that resistance to the to the um, resistance um, creates kind of just creates the energetic environment for some kind of upset to happen. And there's just freedom in accepting where we are in life. Like I'm really, I have problems with um, you know this this kind of energy. I have problems with anger. I have problems with sadness. And uh, of course, rather than suppressing it, just owning it and working with it. And um, there's just a certain sobriety to accepting um, where we might be financially, where we might be in our relationships, um, where we might be spiritually. Um, and to me, they're all kind of one and the same. So mm-hmm. um, in, in the acceptance of where we are and how accountable we are to, to any area, there's a freedom to actually moving forward as opposed to, you know, if we're kind of in a fantasy or maybe denying where we are then we really don't move forward. We're just kind of maintaining this um, this illusion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in other words, you're you're talking about acceptance. You're just accepting where you are. It's yeah. okay. Not pushing yourself. And how does manifesting in high vibrational energy? How does that come into play? You know, because um, of course, I, I agree. Acceptance is lovely. You know, just to sit in the awareness of where we are right now and our. Sure in our life and our wellness, but then also, you know, visualizing and, you know, cause what if, uh, AP Spanish, um, was around the corner, uh, sort of speak, um, through, you know, vibrational shifting, you know, cause I think that can actually help the body heal very, very quickly is when we imagine we have a healthy liver, you know, when, when we, am, I think perception is such a big part of the healing process, you know, even imagining that, our childhood was very different, mm-hmm. you know, because once the perception sets into place that it begins to, because everything is perception, right? So, right. Right. So as 
a perception about a childhood event, you know, if it sits in our body for a long time. And some people even actually overthink things that happened when they were five or six or eight or nine or 10 or whatever, 12. And, and in truth, the higher self, you know, the higher self of the parents, of the child, of the grandparents, of everyone who truly aren't even real family anyway, not really, you know, we're all souls, that that higher self of each person really wishes everything were beautiful and gorgeous and phenomenal and that we'd all shown, shown up loving and forgiving and understanding. So, you, you know, I, uh, really love the idea of holding the energy that 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 has that that actually happened you know so in a way we're kind of bypassing or tricking if you will the perception that's lowering the vibration of of the immune system or a certain organ in the body um especially if a person's already looked at the low frequency of what they felt not necessarily someone who's in denial although i'm be curious for some case studies for that uh, to see if, if we can just kind of move on through things um, without even having to go really deep into the negativity of what our perception of negativity anyway, but to be able to hold the perception that we had an amazing childhood or that you are fluent in Spanish, you know, what kind of life alterating, you know, experiences would we have then? Is that something that's a part of your experience too with your clients? You know, once you get them to a certain point where their body's healthy or, or whatnot is helping them to vibrate into this new reality. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad that you you said it the way that you did. I was I was thinking. I kind of got a download of that this morning as I was driving to work. And um, the way that I describe that is this um, this practice that I call heart melting. And to me, heart melting is like it's really the highest practice. Right? You have meditation. You have breath work. You have tai chi, qigong. You have all these other practices that are kind of like you step out of life. For a moment and you and you meditate or you do this practice but then what happens when you go back into life and um you know your boss says something your spouse says something your partner says something and you get activated um heart melting is really that moment-to-moment awareness of how do we up level the vibration mm-hmm. um that uh maybe gets some some aspect of the body gets reacted and we feel unworthy we feel you know, not good enough. We feel something that um, that is contracting. And heart melting is this ability to choose love in the midst of um, another feeling. Or I kind of look at feelings as really like the soul's talking to the body. And so feelings are really the, the spiritual expression. And if we can alchemize the feelings with love, um, we begin to shift shift that vibration and that vibration begins to up level and begins to expand and begins to um, it's, it's like an Olympic athlete that takes the anxiety at the starting block of the 100 meter race and turns it into excitement and runs faster and and to me that's this really like the pinnacle spiritual practices I'm in the moment and all of a sudden I have this feeling and it, it seems like nervousness it seems like anxiety can I add love to it? What is, and what does that mean? Well, to me, that means, you know, if, if I'm having a relationship with you, Marie, and I say, you know, Marie, I just, you're just fantastic. I think you're so wonderful. Um, the words that I'm saying are, are going to create some kind of expansion, likely for you if you're open. And if I could say something like that to myself or think it, mm-hmm. or like you said, reframe it, like I'm having my tea in the morning. I could just look at the tea as like this benign thing of, I'm just having tea. Or I could go, 
you know, I have tea because it's healthy for my body, and it's just a way that I love myself. And that reframing of the tea from being this benign daily Groundhog Day kind of phenomenon to an act of self-love, it actually does lift me up. And there is this sense of upliftment and expansion and, and healing that happens. So um, this is this is kind of the where most of my work is heading, is really training and teaching people how to love themselves mm-hmm. and how to reframe everything that they do in their lives as an act of self-love and self-respect. Mm-hmm. And um, at, the more that I look at it, the more that I see that every there's so many things that I do in a day that are reflections of love, but I don't necessarily take the time to acknowledge that. And as I acknowledge it, I actually experience a sense of peace mm-hmm. and love. And, of course, you know, I can then offer it to other people and and it can become even more powerful. Mm-hmm. But if I'm only offering it to other people and then I'm, I'm like expecting it from other people in order for me to feel good, then, then I'm still at kind of the mercy of, you know, this, this kind of deficit, this feeling of separation. Mm-hmm. And so if I can bring that divine, that, that uplifted higher energy to myself just by reframing simple acts or a major act, I'm like, my childhood was t- so terrible. It's like, well, Maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it was like all the, all the lessons I needed in order to be strong and powerful. And, um, so I, I completely agree with you. And, and for me, that idea, um, it's a, it's a practice. It's not necessarily something that we're just perfect at. It's just, we practice it in the moment. And as we can sit with the discomfort of something and add love to it by thinking, saying, or doing something that reflects love, then that vibration changes immediately. Yeah. I think love is the most transformative energy there is. Yeah. And so if there's anything going on in anyone's life, and this is the challenging part is to be able to get out of the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the pain, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. and to actually move into a state of love mm. about the situation, because that's what's going to transform it. So if someone yeah. has a job they don't like, they're not yeah. happy with their partner, they are disappointed with their resources. You know, and as we stay in the energy of the frustration or disappointment or anger and all of those things, we're actually feeding that part of our life more of those same qualities, totally. right? Totally. Which are, there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. You can learn a lot, yeah. you know, by understanding frustration or anger or disappointment. You can learn a lot about anything, um, mm-hmm. of course. But... You know, what what I think is really fun is that first and foremost, when you start to send love to yourself or your life or a a situation, you immediately feel better immediately, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. which which is the goal. We all just want to be happy. That's what everyone wants. And so the vibration in the body really starts to increase, you know, very, very, very fast. Um, and, And then what happens in that transformation is we start sending love to the situation. And and if we can you know, get out of our minds and not try to figure out how it's going to be resolved, which is huge for the human race. Yeah. Huge. Um, I believe then, uh, magic happens and the most incredible things come into view that shift that situation into something that's lovely and fun and exciting and exactly what we want. So yeah, I think, um, energy and love and frequency, all of that is just exactly where we are in the human growth of consciousness um, and spirituality and awareness. And yes, of course, loving oneself is is a daily moment by moment practice that, you know, really paying attention to one's internal thoughts and catching 
the criticism and disappointment or whatever's going on in the head and then, um, you know, loving ourselves in that moment, I think is really cool. I think that's a really great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Really very great. powerful. Yeah. Very, very powerful. So we have a caller. Who do we have, Benny? Alexa from Seattle. Welcome to the show. Yes. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> I, um, I have a question for you guys. I guess especially Luke. Um, I'm wondering um, how your theory and book or perspective might be able to be applied to somebody who has trouble focusing, like someone who's been sort of, I, I don't mean to use this term, but just for the purposes of communicating, um, has ADD or dyslexia or some kind of um, physiological condition that keeps them from having trouble, you know, just, just being in the moment. Um, I know that, um, you know, there are, that Qigong and meditation and uh, certain spiritual practices can, can certainly help, but I'm wondering, there's always that piece of changing the habit or um, calming to a point of being able to stay focused, and I'm just wondering if you might be able to comment on that, because I find your work in this conversation that's going on today really interesting. It's not for me. It's just in general. I'm. Um, I do a lot of work in home with with people. I'm a nurse assistant, and I'm a Reiki practitioner. And I just um, uh, find that um, I do um, come across this every once in a while, where I'm trying to help someone to focus, and they 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 can do it, and they just tell me themselves too that they're just struggling because it's real hard to just stay on track. Yeah. Go you ahead, want- Luke. Yeah. You want me to start, Marie? Sure, you, you go right ahead. I think the uh, there's really two things there, from my experience um, clinically, um, and that's the first thing that Marie and I were just talking about, and that's love. Um, I found that when I was working with patients and, and trying to teach them meditation or trying to teach them breath work, trying to put them on a cleanse, uh, the ones that couldn't focus, the ones that were resistant in different ways, um, they would kind of do what I asked them to do up to the point of where it was about to work, and then they would stop. And um, it wasn't until I burned out after a year or two of of really trying to do the work for people that I um, gave up and decided um, really the only only thing I can offer this person is just my love. That's it. Um, I can't fix them. I've exhausted myself trying to. And it was so fascinating. The, the, the second that I had that realization, the very next time I saw the patient, they were happy. They were like, I don't feel depressed anymore. And these were like clinically depressed people. Um, and, and then I could start to teach them meditation. So for me, in my experience, it was, uh, you know, as a healer holding space, it was just starting from a place of, of really unconditional love and that whatever pace they wanted to go at was just fine with me, and I uh, work with, you know, schizophrenic, bipolar um, uh, patients, and I've found some of the most, um, you know, ill people transform first from love, and then and then they seem willing to, to try almost anything. They do a cleanse, they'll, they'll do meditation. And then the, just the second comment is that kind of meditation that I teach is really designed for people who have really busy minds. So their mind, we actually, we actually use the mind to, the busyness of the mind to help find 
the the peace and the beauty within. And the principle is this idea of uh, that the that the mind is always looking for beauty, and it will not stop until it finds beauty. And the thing that is most gorgeous and that is most astonishing is to behold the light of your own heart. And so, by using a certain mantra, a certain tool, the vibratory tool of the mantra allows the mind spontaneously to turn within and to begin to recognize this effulgence, this expression, this spark of light within. So there's, of course, a lot to it, but essentially uh, the meditation is designed for people who have this very busy mind and that we use the busyness in a certain way to cause this expansion. Yeah, I, I think what you just said is in, lovely. Um, and, and, the, and one of the most important components, I think, of a healer is to not want your patient or your client to have a certain outcome. You know, it, when I walk into a, a room to see a client, um, first of all, I know nothing about what's going on with them. I choose not to know. That's why I have an assistant who answers the phone and makes all my appointments so I don't know what's happening because I don't want my logical mind to get in there trying to fix something or trying to prevent something or try to figure it out. I want to be in an intuitive space. And when I walk into a room, and you wrote um, something very similar to this in your book as well, Luke, yeah. I want to feel and sense my client whole and healthy and completely well. You know, that's my job is to hold that energy of their existence without any disease, because that's the truth of them anyway. And, and their highest form of frequency and vibration, they, they are completely healthy and well. And when we are worried about clients and stressed out about them or we want them to have a certain experience, we're actually not helping them. That was beautifully well said. And we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with the Marie Menu Cherry Show. And good morning, everyone. Benny here. So just want to give you a quick reminder. The show coming up next is an encore presentation of the Marie Manu Cherry Show. She, of course, is traveling for the next couple of weeks during her retreat. And I decided to dip back into Marie's amazing vault of shows. And we're going to bring to you an awesome show she did with Luke Adler and Luke Adler Healing back in 2016. So no call-in show today. Enjoy. And welcome back to Three Menu Cherry Show. Thank you, Vinny. I love jazz. You're so sweet. Ray Charles, right? Oh, I mean, oh my I believe, gosh, right? A combination I believe, of... I believe to my soul is the name of it. Oh, oh my gosh, I right. love it. In fact, I had the joy of sitting at the at Marymore Park on Sunday listening to the Seattle Symphony. Oh, really? It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, I loved it. I know a Absolutely lot of people headed it. out there for it. Yeah, and then I was at, at the Mariners game the night before. Super fun. Took my mom and my brother uh, my mom had uh-huh. never been to a Mariners game. Yeah. It was a little gift from KKNW. Thank you. They oh, were so oh, sweet. Sure. Gave me some tickets. Mm-hmm. And they have great seats, by the way. They're you not get, bad. Yeah, not those, those are really good right seats. Down third yeah. Base line there. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. right oh, there. Yeah. Section 143. I know yeah, they're, they're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really exactly great. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. So I had a, a very fun weekend. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're back in the studio, and I'm interviewing Luke Adler. He's the author of Born to Hill, and Luke is a, boor- a board-certified acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. And, of course, a beloved healer and teacher who leads his students to discover and translate their experiences of love into meaningful, restorative actions. Um, Luke is also teaching a retreat this weekend and, of course, has another course going on this summer. You can find more about what he does at uh, LukeAdlerHealing.com. So why don't we go ahead and go to the phone line? He's a busy guy doing a lot of healing, right? B- yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. We'll why don't take, we go ahead? Sure. Tara from Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Tara. Hi, Marie. How, how's New York? It's sunny and beautiful, actually. Lovely. You know, I am working, uh, Justine and I are working on 
teaching a class in New York. We're just looking for a venue. So any ideas? I think you sent us something, didn't you? Or somebody I else? I did. Yeah. yeah, I hope that ends up working out. Yeah, for some reason, they're just not calling me back. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> the maybe I'll send an email. Yeah, could you? Yeah, get on that for us, Tara. Yeah, we appreciate that. I loved that venue. That's a cool <laughs> venue. Um, if, of course, they have the space and the time to uh, allow a workshop to be they hosted there. They don't know there. what they're missing if they don't I get Maria there. I would love to be right? there, yeah. So, Tara, <laughs> what can I do for you? And thank you for all your help in the past. I really appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. Well, I am about to go through a big transition. I'm actually moving out of my apartment that I share with my boyfriend. Oh, really? Which is hmm. scary, but it feels like the right move to huh. take a little space. Wow. Um, I'm very proud of you, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, with that, I'm kind of like questioning lots <laughs> of things. So just any like general... Sure. general wisdom would be awesome. Sure. So, Luke, when someone's in a transition like this, you know, like moving away from a partner, moving out on their own. Um, so do you have any recommendations on how to move through that? I mean, these kind of experiences, it's, I mean, it sounds like, Tara, it's an experience that you're you're choosing voluntarily. And at the same time, there's there's the mix of, um, you know, some sadness and, and, and uh, letting go and of all the of all the experiences, letting go is certainly it's probably the most challenging of all human experiences. So the mm-hmm. first the first um, piece of, of uh, advice or coaching is just having compassion and and um, really being gentle and tender with your with yourself. And when I talk about self love, to me, the art of self love is um, giving yourself the right frequency of love. So, you know, at times we need to be courageous and at times we need to be adventurous and at times we need to be gentle. And to me, um, you know, the frequency that would be most appropriate, at least for now, would be compassion and gentleness and tenderness and just allowing yourself to have the the space to grieve and, you know, and just honor all the beautiful things that you learned with your partner. And, um, and you know, like Marie said, at a certain point, just, just blessing the whole thing, blessing each other and that you both move forward in, in the highest possible way. And and then the other thing that I found to be really helpful with um, loss or with breakups or, or moving um, is some kind of spiritual practice and, and probably one of the best is chanting. Mm. Um, so moving the voice, when we move the voice, when we move the tongue, when we sing, it frees up the energy of the heart and it brings sweetness to the heart. So it could be Sanskrit chanting, like in a yoga class, or just even it could be like gospel chanting or singing a song that you love to sing that just makes your heart feel good. Um, and, I mean, I could go on and on, but I think those those two would be mm-hmm. the most important. And the singing will really help to move the sadness and help mm-hmm. to uplift you. Thank you for reminding me of that. I do like chanting a lot, and I haven't thought of that. Yeah, that sounds great. Great advice. I I love the whole idea. Yeah, this is exciting. So you're going on a brand new adventure. (laughs) Yeah, there's a part of me that's excited. (laughs) Yeah, good. I I think that's fantastic. That's really wonderful. And um, of course, we wish you the best in in your new movement in in your new adventure. And remember to hold your dreams, you know, your desires as if they've already happened, you know, not get caught up in the worry or the fear or the what if in a negative way, but to be in yeah. that positive energy that what you want has, has already been manifested and created and that you are, of course, you would be in enormous gratitude for that, right? Right. And, and just 
so much joy of the magic of the co-creative process of allowing your dreams to come into reality. Uh-huh. So um, stay in that energy rather than trying to figure everything out, you know, the how, not the how, but um, the wow of the whole beautiful divine experience. Cool. Thank you very much, You're welcome. both have of you. Have a great day. Yeah. And thank you, Luke, so much for being on the show. It's just a pleasure to have you uh-huh. and you. to listen to your advice. And again, um, your is this your, f- your first book? This is my first book, yeah. Yay, congratulations. Thank Born you. to Heal, Heal Yourself, Heal the World, Luke Adler. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day in Eugene. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. Bye-bye. And so uh, for the rest of us, just letting you know that I do have s- some workshops coming up. Our Spain retreat is so close to being full. Um, So if you are on the fence, (laughs) you need to dial that number because we don't have very many spaces left. We're going to actually talk to the retreat person today on Skype to see if there is any more potential space that we're not aware of on the beautiful facility. But we're very close to having a a sold-out retreat, um, which, of course, we're grateful for. And um, so... uh, Make that phone call if you're on the fence. Cause we got a, we got a few people on the fence, so hopefully somebody will make some decision, de- decisions. What could we do or say to get them to pull the trigger? <laughs> it's exciting. I, there I feel you go. So That's what you got to do. You know, blessed that we have you know months before our retreat, we have it sold out basically. So I'm really thrilled. And I, in August, I'll be teaching Mystic Career Development, um, beautiful course, um, and one of my favorite. Um, People, Victoria, who um, has been a mentoring student, she's a yoga, she actually owns a yoga studio, her and her husband, in Portland, Oregon. She's going to be teaching yoga throughout the retreat to actually take the information about, you know, how to create your mystic career, how to make your career that you have mystical, which is one of my favorite things to do because magic is everywhere. Maybe you have a mainstream job, but you want it to be mystical and fun, which is healthy and normal. Um, through the lecture and then the yoga, we were going to be imprinting information into your cellular body so that the vibration can quicken and you can have better results faster um, um, all the time, which is really, really quite fun. We're super excited about that. And then this year I am teaching Reiki once um, for the year. I usually teach it twice a year in October. So if you're thinking about becoming a Reiki master, it's a two and a half day intensive fun amazing experience and we would love to have you and thank you so much everyone for listening to the show and thank you justine and benny for all of your help and we wish everyone amazing and wonderful joyful blessings bye-bye